welcome back to the Pocket Network Podcast, a podcast for real estate professionals like you to innovate your world. Every week, I sit down with professionals from the industry to give you industry insights, to talk about common challenges, and so much more. This week, I'm with Kyle Stanley, or otherwise known as Fearless Kyle, the fearless investor on social media. Welcome, Kyle. Hey, thanks, Margarita. I'm excited to be on. I'm excited to have you. I actually discovered you on Facebook before ever starting this podcast. I was looking at different Facebook groups and you are admin. I wrote it down. You're admin to a group called Airbnb Masterminds and your group has over 135,000 members. That is pretty impressive. Yeah, I would like to take some credit, but I, I don't really know that I can take any. I, I think we just randomly got <laughs> into an algorithm with Facebook and we accept just about everyone. So it's it's kind of like they just keep on sending people our way. So it's yeah, cool. the, content, yeah. the content is awesome. So if, if the content wasn't as good as it was, the Facebook algorithm will never be on your side. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. We like We like putting out good content. So that's a good thing. Perfect. And uh, so before you started investing in Airbnb and just teaching others, uh, were you interested in real estate or what type of a background do you have? Yeah. Um, I mean, really just the the long story of it is that I was a wantrepreneur for about nine years before I got into real estate. So I uh, started out as a sports anchor on a local TV station in Grand Junction, Colorado. I was 22 years old, right out of college. Um, and found out very quickly that I did not like taking orders from other people. <laughs> so we call that an entrepreneur. But unfortunately, like I said, I was really a wantrepreneur because I didn't have the guidance. I didn't know what to do. I just had an idea. I wanted to start a business. I wanted to help high school athletes get recruited to play in college. And I wanted to do it through making videos for them. But I didn't know business strategies. I didn't know business structure. I didn't know how to be able to scale business or how to set up a business for scale. And so um, I, I crashed and burned in that business, but I, I kind of sunk with the ship for about six years because I just did not want to uh, accept failure. And I'm actually reading a really good book right now called uh, Necessary Endings that um, I would say... If I had read this book, you know, back in the day, it would have helped me to close this business down sooner because you know what? It's not about closing a business that's a failure. It's really closing a business just means like you, you re recognize the right on the wall and you know that your time is worth more. And so, um, what I can say about that is, is it, it honed my skills to start doing other things. So I got into an MLM after that, which a lot of people are like, Ooh, MLM. But I will tell you, I got more self-development out of being in a multi-level marketing company just because I was around other leaders. I learned how to build my influence and how to be able to build my leadership. And then I went some sales. I went into owning another business. Like I tried a bunch of different things. And before you know it, um, I'm in a fortune builders event, which if you're not familiar with fortune builders is a really popular flipping and wholesaling, uh, how to company. And, you know, they, they got me, you know, they, they showed me everything there was to do in flipping and in real estate. And, uh, around this time as well, my dad was actually on his deathbed in hospice, uh, because he had been diagnosed with bone cancer. And it was just one of those times where I said, you know, is, is working every day, for the rest of my life, you know, really what I was put on this earth for, because that's what I saw my dad do. He was, a, he was an, a business owner, uh, but he, he had to be in the business. If he wasn't in it, he wasn't making money. And so um, I saw my life going down that same path. And I said, well, what could create that passive income? And it was real estate. And so got into flipping houses um, on my Second flip, I decided to hold it as a long-term rental. And right before I decided to list it as a long-term rental, I said, wait a second, what if I did this as a short-term rental? This is in Fresno, California. 
And everyone's like, what do you mean a short-term rental in Fresno, California? Like no one's going to go there for vacation. And I was like, I don't think people are going to come here for vacation. I think they're going to come for family. I think they're going to come for business. And that's exactly what they did. Month one, we made $2,000 net income on this property when we would have only made 600 as a long-term rental. So we three and a half X our money got down the rabbit hole of, you know, looking at Airbnb, YouTube videos and podcasts, learned how to do it without owning the property. And here we are today now went from zero to 65 properties over $60,000 of net income per month uh, in under three years. And so it's been, uh, been, been a whiny road. I know that was a simple question, but that was a long answer. But I, I, I yeah, it's never a simple question when it's yeah. about your background. But um, I think I want to talk a little bit about everything that you said. But one of the most important questions that I have that I think is really important because the answer is not very predictable. So from all of those things that you did early in your career, you mentioned so many things. Um, what, which one of those careers do you think taught you the most for what you're doing today, for what you're doing in real estate? Yeah, I, I, hmm, I've never gotten that question before. It's so 50-50 between the multi-level marketing and owning my own business because multi-level marketing, I had the mentorship. So I was able to get to where I wanted to go a little bit faster, but still didn't quite reach that, that point where I was like, yeah, I'm a success in this. Um, and so I, I was able to say like from that experience, hey, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to seek out a mentor. It's okay to not have to try and reinvent the wheel. You can actually just take the wheel that other people have done and do it and maybe put your own twist on it. So I learned that from, and plus the leadership and, and influence and building a team was really what I learned from that. Whereas on owning a business, I made so many mistakes that I knew like, hey, I never want to make those mistakes again. And those are like imprinted in my my soul of like, I will never build a business like that again that has a ceiling that's so low. And and so I, I learned what not to do in owning a business. And I learned that it's okay to, to have a mentor and, and get help in the, uh, the MLM side of it. So it's pretty 50-50 on both of those. Yeah, it makes sense. It's always those jobs where we don't really think it would be as um, applicable to our, our future businesses that when we look back, we see that, that that's where we learn the most from, um, from your multi-level marketing. I'm sure that you, you were in rooms with uh, executives that you would have never met before. It's a, an opportunity to talk to people and pick at their brain and learn things that you won't you you can't just do over social media over all of these networking apps that where um you you can you can message them but are they going to respond are they going to be as honest as if they were sitting there and uh thinking oh my answer may um affect how he markets my business yeah no ab absolutely i mean anytime you get face to face with anyone and and get in the same room with people that's how i built this business with short-term rentals is i got in the same room as the people that i wanted to either be more like or wanted to be my clients. And I just got in those rooms, I got face to face with them. And then through, you know, being vocal about it on social media and people seeing that I was doing business with high level people, uh, I was able to build a reputation amongst social media as well, where leads will come in. And I mean, I, I just got a, a lead from Arizona the other day. I don't even live in Arizona. We have a business in Arizona though. And I got tagged by someone who follows my content and it led me to getting uh, in contact with this landlord that wants to, you know, run their place as a short-term rental and wants wow. a management company. And so, you know, it's it's that uh, building that reputation. I think starts though in in the people that you're seeing face to face. 
yeah, building the reputation and also just the wonders of our uh, our technological world right now. You have the opportunity to work with people without even showing up and being in the same room as them. That is absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy world we live in. So you are also a real estate. I mean, sorry, not real estate. You are also a coach. So uh, do you coach people one on one, or do you have like uh, group coaching? What do you offer? Yeah, I, we we have the six figure formula. That's the hat I'm wearing right now. Six figure formula. We're helping people to build a business that's uh, getting to six figures in under twelve months with Airbnb. And um, honestly, the the way that we do it, it it works. So uh, you know, a lot of people want the one on one, and they want to be you know in in my face and then asking questions, and I give them that opportunity. And then a lot of people also like to learn from other coaches, and so we have an amazing group of coaches. Actually, seven of us combined. Uh, actually, eight of us combined, sorry, including myself, that jump in every single week and we're doing calls. We're talking about specific topics to help you to accelerate your business. Um, and some of our students have gone as fast as we got a guy. His name's Halame Kenny Kenny. I actually did an interview with him recently. He signed, oh man, when we did the interview, it was like 33 arbitrage and um, co-hosting contracts. Uh, I know we haven't even touched on what that is. I can get into that if, if you'd like. But um, 33 different units that he's now signed in his first five weeks of being in our program. Um, and so, sorry, no, not five weeks, 16 weeks of being in the program. Okay. Um, and yeah, it was still unbelievable. And, and then after five months, he was at 50 contracts. He just sent me a screenshot the other day that he's already since February, he joined us in February. We're recording this in July, right? Uh, it's been five months. He's already collected over $500,000 on Airbnb alone, not including VRBO, direct bookings, anything like that. So uh, that that guy's life has changed. It's been awesome to see that. And then, you, but the, a typical student's going to come in. They're going to get one, two, maybe three properties in their first ninety to one hundred eighty days, and they're going to have a cash flowing business that's either matching, exceeding, or starting to make them contemplate. Hey, do I leave my full time job to do this full time? Um, that's how quickly it moved for me. So everyone just follows the formula. That's why we call it a formula because you just literally follow the step-by-step step and you can be at that position. We just had a guy actually retire from the FBI <laughs> because, because he uh, he was doing so well with, with short-term rentals. So it's been, it's been amazing to see the impact that's had on other people. Yeah, and it's 100% believable. Um, I personally know someone who uh, bought a home. They bought a vacation home uh, in Palm Springs. And you know how I, you should know probably better than me how Palm Springs is a pretty big Airbnb area. Um, maybe not Airbnb, maybe all types of short-term rentals. But mm -hmm. he was telling us how with that one home, he has absolutely no effort. He doesn't go online all the, th all the time trying to track anything. He's not the best at responding to uh, the people staying in his home. So with literally almost zero effort on his side, all he does is hire someone to clean after the guests and uh, just take his money. He was telling us how he does not pay his own mortgage, whether it's on that house, the house he's living in. And then he bought another uh, vacation uh, home for his family. And he's like, I'm not even going to put that one on Airbnb because the Palm Springs home is paying for all of that. So we'll have that as our own private uh, family home. So imagine yeah. if he had actually applied himself. If he actually applied this formula of yours, this guy would probably be quitting his own full-time job and just working off his three homes that he has right now. He could probably be in the six figures too by the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the great thing about this is like, you know, it doesn't take a hundred properties to get to turn this into a six figure business. Um, we, we literally had one student reach uh, six figures with his first four months was one property. And then he added a second property in month five and reached six figures. 
So, and when, when you do high-end properties like that, it, it can, it can literally like just one contract sign. And again, we're not talking about owning these properties. We're talking about doing this without owning the properties, which we haven't even gotten into yet. So that, that's the beautiful thing. Before about we get into that, um, yeah. so I read on social media that when you started off with Airbnb, you were renting just a single room in your home. Mm -hmm. Yep. So you, you you don't even need uh, the full house. You you could just rent out a single home. And um, how does that work? What like yeah. how how do you regulate that? Um, are are you always around? Are you almost like a landlord there? Yeah, I mean it's literally like just having a roommate, but it's just a rotating wheel of you know you can have someone in there for one night, you can have someone in there for a year. You know, and they book through you on Airbnb or VRBO or, uh, you know, one of the uh, Furnish Finders is another really good one. Um, and I mean, I, yeah, I live there. <laughs> so I, I don't know what else to say. I live there and I had people come in. I made some really good friends along the way too, but I was basically, um, you know, getting anywhere between 40 to $60 per night for my room in Fresno, California. My mortgage uh, was being uh, more than taken care of with that because we were at about 70% occupancy at those rates. So um, yeah, like this guy that you just mentioned, I mean, I haven't, until I moved in with my wife into our new house, I hadn't paid for my mortgage in the last, gosh, you know, um, three, four years um, because I was doing it as a room out of my house. And also uh, I kind of graduated into having a property that I lived on that had multiple units. So I was able to live in one of the units and the front house was being Airbnb'd. And so I was living for free at that one too. I was actually getting paid to live at that one. I love it. I love mm -hmm. it. At what point did you realize that you can turn this into a business? Yeah, it, it goes back to that second flip that I did uh, back in May of 2019 when I listed it, got those results right away. I was like, how many times can I do this? And I, so what I did was I actually looked up, uh, on, like I said, on YouTube and podcasts, I started hearing about this arbitrage model where you could rent it out with permission from the landlord and then sublease it on Airbnb. And it made a lot of sense. There were so many different, more, more, uh, advantageous reasons why a landlord would rent out to me than a regular tenant. The, the condition of the property, the fact that, you know, squatters was really not going to be an issue, paying rent on time, all these things that were going to help me to look way better than that long-term tenant. And so the next question was, well, you know, if I can go and furnish a house, sign a lease, give a security deposit and be $15,000 in rather than going and putting 20% down on a $300,000 home and paying close to six figures, I, I can scale this business a lot faster. So now, how many times can I do this? I called Airbnb. I said, Hey, do I need to have the deed to the house to list? They said, no. Nope. So, okay, that's great. Do I, is there a certain amount of listings that I can list with you? They said, no, you can have as many listings as you want. I said, well, then I'm doing this. <laughs> so that was May, 2019. Uh, we had six units by December of 2019. We netted $7,800 that month with six units. Uh, grossed right around, I want to say $16,000. We were keeping over half of the, uh, right around half the money. Um, and then uh, basically found out about this opportunity to co-host, which is really just managing for someone else. They furnish it. They have all the financial responsibility. I go in and I'm now the manager. I listen on my Airbnb profile. I host the guests. I use my team with cleaners and, and guest communication, uh, guest services. And I charge them a certain amount, certain percentage based on how I perform. Pretty average for the market is 20%. So if I made that person $5,000, the first 20%, $1,000 right off the top goes to me and I have zero financial responsibility to that property. When I found out 
how to do that. I was like, well, now I don't need any money. Now I can just go convince owners to go buy more properties and list them with me. And that's when we really took off. Now that was also in the middle of COVID. So we had a little bit of some pause, reset, figure out what the market was doing. But from July of 2020 to November of 2020, we went from about seven units to 25 in those four months, all with other people's properties. Well, actually two I bought, but uh, the rest were with other people's properties. So 16 co-hosting gigs in the span of four months. And like I said, we've... Oh, more than doubled since then. So how do you find those people to co-host with? Do you look straight on Airbnb and contact them? Or are you finding these people out in the real world and convincing them to um, sublease their uh, their home or whatever it is? Yeah, you know, there's so many different ways to do it. I'd say find your strength. is The way that I did it, my strength is networking. We were just talking about that, right? Like, you know, I can get in a room and I can make a friend pretty quickly. Um, I can act professionally and also make them laugh at the same time. Like, you know, there's some things that I, I, I'm really good at that I know I, I'm like, hey, you know, I can meet someone right now and they can be pretty comfortable with me. So going and meeting people and having that arbitrage or that coasting conversation, I know they're going to be comfortable. I know it's probably going to go pretty well. And at the very least, they're going to say, hey, that's not for me, but thanks for telling me. If that's not you, if you're not good with sales, if you're not good with people, and you're like that, that just, I mean, I literally am going to crap my pants if I do that, you know, kind of feeling, then there's a lot of other ways. There's a lot of people are doing Facebook or Google ads, like actually optimizing to be able to target landlords, um, flyers and, and direct mailers that you could do to, to landlords that are maybe, um, don't occupy the home. Maybe they live out of state. You can target them and maybe they have really annoying tenants that are never paying rent on time and you can convince them to kick them out and you come in as the, the land or as the, uh, the arbitrage or, or the coast. Um, there's also just straight up picking up the phone and playing the numbers game. Hey, I don't have time to go and meet with a bunch of people, but I'm good on the phone and I can, you know, hammer it out. Hey, are you open to short-term rentals? Hey, are you open to short-term rentals? And just boom, 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 phone call. And maybe you close two out of a hundred, but you know that you have that kind of leads in your area. There's a lot of different ways. I personally have not seen much success with people just going on Airbnb and targeting underperforming properties. Um, I don't know of really enough people that have actually seen success from that to say that that's an effective method. Uh, it feels very spammy to me. Um, and for that reason, I would rather get straight into who's actually looking for a solution that I can provide rather than me trying to convince them. Because if I try to reach out to someone on Airbnb, they have no idea that they're underperforming, right? If they have one property, they're just thinking, oh, this is how Airbnb goes. Like, you know, it's, it's doing okay. They have no idea how well it could be doing, but now you got to come in, you got to sell that, you got to like really convince them, and you got to do that over Messenger. Mm, kind of feels spammy. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. like, if I go on a Zillow and someone says, Hey, I'm renting out my house, I'm looking for a tenant, or I'm looking to make money on my house, they're in the selling mode. Well, you're, you're looking to buy, you're looking to buy their business. And so you can provide that solution to them and have a much more open conversation because they're literally looking for a solution at that time. So, that's that's why I find that to be more effective uh, rather than just going on Airbnb and trying to f find an underperforming property. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just thinking about my neighborhood right now, I live in uh, an area where it's like a renting hotspot where you can get so much money off renting a home. Um, it's much cheaper to buy a home. Even the homes are ridiculously expensive here. Uh, but you could probably just walk around. When I go on a walk every night, I see at least two houses on every tiny residential street that I pass that are looking uh, to rent uh, rent a, a unit. I guess people move out quickly as well. So you could probably just call those landlords and tell them, what if I can make you even more money than the rent that you're looking for? And um, anyone, if you have them over the phone, at that moment is willing to listen. Yeah. And honestly, that's an art, you know, actually having that conversation. Um, I, I, I reserve the the script and the how to for my students, but I will tell you the, the idea is just, if you can solve a problem for a landlord that is paining them enough, that's hurting them enough to say, wow, if you can solve that for me, I'll rent for you from for years, then you got yourself a, a really strong pitch, uh, but you can't get to that point unless you know what their pain points are. And so that's yeah. the biggest issue I see is too many people come in saying, here's the advantage, here's the advantage, here's the advantage. Is that even a pain point for that landlord? You got to find that out by asking good questions. Yeah, for sure. And um, it just blows my mind for for just subleasing. If someone were to say that to me and I'm the landlord, I would say, okay, if that's going to work, I'll just do it myself. I'm going to make the money off of it. I'm not going to bring you in as a tenant. And then you make more money off the property than I am. So how does that work? How do you approach someone uh, to make them feel like it's a better idea to have you do it for them versus if they did it themselves? Uh, yeah. Well, let's, let's just say we get that. Um, my response to that is great. I'm glad I opened this door for you. I wish you the best of luck, but keep my number. That's going to need. Yeah, you're, you're, you're probably going to need me. Um, we actually have one of our students. Now, here's the thing. I have an abundance mindset. I don't have a scarcity mindset. There's enough business to go around. If we treat people the way that they deserve to be treated, if we are kind to them, if we are you know, courteous to them, if we provide them with value before asking for their business, they will likely feel comfortable giving us their business. Um, it's just like anything right now. Like you go and you you see, you know, all these people, the the Gary V's of the world, the Grant Cardones, the, the Alex Hermosis, the big time speakers. Um, what are they doing? They're not they're not in your face selling a product first. They're in your face saying, "Hey, how would you like this free download? How would you like this piece of value? How would you like this thing that's going to make you a raving fan of me? That way, when I do ask for your business, I've already gained your trust. Um, so that's the way I do business is value, value, value. It comes from an abundance mindset. It's a, something that I learned about three years ago, right in the beginning of my Airbnb business. I just did a reel about it actually on Instagram of how it changed my my whole business because it, I mean, if I, if I didn't have that mindset, I might have six or seven properties today um, and may, maybe 10 making, you know, maybe $20,000 a month thinking I've got it made. But because I had the abundance mindset and I shared it with as many people and taught people how to do it and gave them the value first, now we have a seven figure business, you know? So that's, that's the, where the abundance mindset comes in. Uh, but uh, going back to my student, sorry, went off on a tangent there. Uh, what, uh, one of my students actually did the same thing. He led with value. He did make a mistake. He didn't get a contract signed. It was a co-hosting deal. And he went in and he started saying, hey, you know, put a couch here. Let's get new sheets here. Let's do this, this, and this. Gave him a whole list of items before getting a contract in place. And they ended up saying, hey, I'm just going to go try to do this myself. And, he's, and he was kind of like, are you serious? And first yeah. thing I told him was, 
just tell that person, I wish you the best of luck. Keep my number. If you ever need anything, I'll be there for you. Wish it would have gone a different way, but you know, I wish you the best of luck. Yeah. Uh, not only did she call him a couple of months later saying I made a mistake, she also referred her next door neighbor to him before she decided to uh, to get, make that call and say, hey, I made a mistake. So she was giving him business because he didn't get all mad and pissy about it. He stayed yeah. professional about it. Yeah, yeah. If people remember your last act as being upset with them, um, they might even be too embarrassed to reach out themselves if you make them feel like they did something awful. Yeah. Oh, 100%. You know, it's just like uh, dad yelling at you because you did something wrong. Now you're going to go to mom uh, and you're not going to feel too comfortable going to dad. If, whether, if dad had just said, hey, it's okay, you messed up. Here's how we get better next time. That, that kid's probably a little bit more comfortable going back to dad. So, um, you know, it's, it's just that same mindset. Yeah, for sure. And I love uh, the abundance mindset that you keep talking about. And I think I saw one of the videos that um, you were talking about. Um, I think you, the title was uh, the secret to running the most successful Airbnb business. And um, the number one thing that you said was uh, have a team. So when you, when I think Airbnb, I think of just random people um, just having an extra property, a vacation home, let's say, and when they're not there, they want to make some money off of it. I don't actually think of a whole team, but you are actually having people think of this as a business so that now um, the capabilities of the property are, are limitless. Some of the things that you say on, on Instagram, I've never thought of as an Airbnb, the way that you can make money off Airbnb aside from the booking fee, the nightly booking fee. So let's talk about that as well. Yeah. So, so team and the extra revenue sources or sorry, what was, so yeah, let, let's talk about um, just having a team on Airbnb mm -hmm. first, um, yeah. how that would benefit your business. Yeah. I mean, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. You know, that's, that's the idea there is um, if, if I want to make a quick thousand dollars a month, I'll list my house on Airbnb. That's moving fast. Right. But if I want to make 10,000, 20,000, $50,000 a month. I cannot do that on my own unless I have this one giant mansion. But even if I have that one giant mansion, am I going to clean that place by myself? No, I need a team. I have to have people. So you just can't have a business. You don't, you don't have, you know, if you've ever read the E-Myth, uh, there's 90% of people call themselves entrepreneurs, but they're just technicians in their own business. That was my dad. Uh, he owned a business, but he had to be there to make money. Then there's the 9% that are managers and they oversee a team, but they're just as busy as the team because they're taking calls, they're taking calls, they're they're double checking, they're you know verifying that the team is doing the job. And then there's that one percent that knows like, hey, if I were to die tomorrow, my team has it knows the ins and outs of this business, and it would still run, and they would still have jobs, and I have everything set up to where it would be deeded over to the the person that would take over for me. Um, that's that's the true entrepreneur. And so for me. That's it's just not possible. If, if the business lives and dies with you, you don't have a business. You just own a job. Yeah. Um, so, to your point, I'd say you know rough numbers. Ninety percent of people on Airbnb. They also say hundred percent, or what is it? Sixty percent of stats are made up on on the spot. Um, so ninety percent of people uh, on Airbnb are probably just owning one house. You know, they just have that idea of like I just want to put a room on Airbnb, or I just want to put a house on Airbnb and see how it goes. And so. 
that that's that's all they ever have their minds around and they're the they're the noise they're the people that are going to tell you it's great money but it's a lot of work and oh it was really awesome but i had to go clean the place myself or oh i i, I really enjoyed it but the guests really like you know i had to talk to them all the time if they didn't if i didn't respond right away then like my my listing got hurt or like you know people would get mad those are all the people that are doing it on their own you know and so you have to if you want to get into this and you want to make this passive that's the key thing if you want to go and do all those things because you just really enjoy hospitality by all means go have fun and be the only person but if you want to build a business out of this you have to have good people good technology and good systems to be able to uh, have those people follow along with the technology. And so everything I've done, I've documented, everything I've done again and again and again, I've taken a video of, I've, I've written down, I've showed the team how to do it, and they are able to go and do it on their own, about 90% probably as well as I can for the majority of things. Now, I will also say there's another like 40 or 50% of tasks that I sucked at that I hated. And I knew if I wanted my business to thrive, I had to find someone that could do it better than me. And so for that, I'm finding someone that's doing it twice as well as me. And, and that's the biggest difficulty is, is us thinking, hey, I'm the only one that can run this business. I'm the only one that knows where the towels are. I'm the only one that really cares about the condition of the home. And that's just not true. If you have the right amount of, if you're, if you're bringing on the right person who understands the vision, understands what their role is and is getting paid well enough, they'll come in because they're gonna get paid well, but they'll stay because they feel like they're a part of something bigger and they're a part of a bigger vision. They're a part of a family. They're a part of a business where it's, you know, they have this responsibility and the business has to have them. They're gonna feel that and they're gonna work with you and they're gonna continue to be able to be a part of this, this bigger thing. And once you have that, now we can start saying, hey, can we scale this thing? Can we, you know, I've got the team and I, and I can go ahead and I can sign the contract and I can give it off to my team. And do, does the team have enough resources? Do they have all the things they need to be able to, to, to really knock that task out of the park every single time? If the answer to that is yes. How many times can we do that again and again and at, at their capacity? And if we reach that capacity, now who else do we need to bring in or how can we tighten some systems? So that's the the mindset every day of me is just how can I make my job easier for my team so that I can go on that trip to, um, you know, we just got done with our, our honeymoon, 18 days in eight different cities. And I worked maybe five hours in those 18 days. And, and it, I was able to do that. Congratulations on the wedding and on being Thank able you. to automate the system so much that your team mm -hmm. could work without you. Thank you. Yeah. And, and so, but it's, again, it comes from knowing where you're going with this, understanding that you, this is not a hobby, this is a business and bringing on the right people and the right systems to be able to offload those things, because it's my responsibility to keep these people employed, whether I, you know, get in a, an accident tomorrow, or I'm here for the next 70 years, you know, I, I need to make sure that they're taken care of. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really important to have that mindset as a leader and uh, to think of not only what you can help your employees do, but what they can help you do so that you can have a chance to breathe. Too many people are being burned out. Too many people uh, kind of crave that feeling of importance where if I'm the boss, I want to feel like I can do it all. Like uh, they can't do 
A, B, or C without me, and they need me to start off the process. So it's very important to recognize the talent in other people. And also, most importantly, to be able to step back and let them excel, to let them be better than you, to let them uh, continue on. I think a lot of people look at it as competition, when in reality, if your team member respects you and sees how you've taken care of them, even when they, they've grown out of that position, they'll still stay with you. They'll include you in whatever they do in the future. It's yeah. not... It's not all about competition, especially in anything real estate industry. I consider Airbnb part of real estate. Um, I think in real estate, we see too much competition, but everyone that I've interviewed has that same mindset as you, that if I work together with other people and if I give them value, all that's going to do is help my business rise. Yeah. You know, there's no such thing as competition. There's only collaboration. Um, it, it's so funny, especially when I see people come in who are realtors. Um, and, I, and I just want to shake that industry. Like, I just want to sh- take the entire realtor industry and be like, do you realize that that person only gets paid when you get paid? Like you need to be working as a team. You do not, as soon as you start going to battle, you don't go to battle for your clients. You go to battle with your clients, with your realtor and make sure that you all have the, like you all have the same goal. You want to close this property. So like when we get what realtors in, it's really funny because I tell them like, hey, go find other Airbnb hosts in your area and network with them. And they're like, well, like, won't they be scared that I'm gonna like steal their ideas? I'm like, ah, no, <laughs> like if you need, I, I am collab, like the, the biggest uh, hosts in our area, along with me, we're right around the same amount of properties. We both have about 55 to, to 60 here in central California. Um, he and I are talking on a weekly basis and we're collaborating. We're talking about like, Hey, where, where are you getting your bookings from? Wow. Oh, you're, you're talking to more nurses. Okay, cool. Where are you get, what site are you using? And we're openly doing that because we realize like there's enough business to go around. And if I have someone that I can't help, I'd much rather have a great resource for someone that I trust that I can send them to. Hey, you can't book your house, this house tonight. All of our houses are actually booked, but I do have another host that has another 60 properties. I bet he's got something that's open. What do you think he's going to do if I send him a, a booking? He's going to turn right back around and ask me the same thing. Hey, I got something, a guest that needs a place, but I don't have a place to put them. And he's going to send them my way. It's just like, th- this is the the new way of doing business is that our competition should be our collaborators. We should be masterminding with them. We should not be, you know, trying to, yeah, we want to continue to be the best in the area, but we're not like looking at our competition and saying like, I'm going to one up you. It's like, no, I'm just going to be the best they can be. And if they come to my door, I'm going to share what I'm doing. And if I come to their door, I would hope they would do the same thing. Yeah. Speaking to realtors, especially lately with people having a team, um, I think they're kind of trending towards what you're saying, but also um, just especially when the cameras are off, sometimes the people, the realtors that come onto the pocket network for a podcast, they will tell me these horror stories. And I think they're just traumatized by someone who acted like they were their friend just to seal business. Obviously, long term, we know that's not going to work. We know that if you steal business from that one person, now they've told five other people who will not want to work with you in the future. But um, I think that's where it's coming from. And I do see it changing even in the real estate industry. It's still very competitive. But I think people are recognizing that they can make a lot more money if they have a team um, and a support system, most importantly. Well, and and it kind of goes back to the mindset of, hey, what if I go and talk to a landlord and they say, I want to do it myself? Massive action solves all problems. I'm telling you, this goes for any business. If you're sitting there and you're upset about losing a deal, it's because you don't have enough leads coming in. 
So why don't you go and spend your time trying to find more leads and create lead flows? By the way, cold marketing for the first three months of my business, I've never spent a dollar on marketing since then. And every time I've gotten a lead, it's come straight to my phone. I have not had to pick up the phone and make a call. The reason for that is because I'm out there pounding the pavement, making relationships with people that I know I can solve problems for. So rather than get upset with, hey, this landlord should have said yes. Why didn't they say yes? And me trying to go back and convince them, convince them, convince them. Why don't I go talk to another 10 landlords? Why don't I go, go talk to another 10 real estate offices and go present to them on how I can help them solve more of their clients' problems and help them sell more houses? And I can go and create all these lead flows that are going to come into me. So when someone says no, that's okay. I got five other people that are ready to say yes. Yeah. And so, uh, so you're saying that most of your business right now is word of mouth referral. Yeah. All of it is not most all, um, it, so of our 40 because you're pretty big on Facebook. So, um, do you see social media as a big marketing tool? Um, we've gotten, a, especially in Arizona, um, because I don't live in Arizona, there's been a decent amount of leads that have come in for me there. Um, in central California, it's mainly been just through going to meetup groups, shaking hands, going to real estate offices, doing presentations, things like that, that have gotten me that lead flow. Um, but having the YouTube channel, having the podcast has been a credibility uh, stand, yeah. you know, builder as well. Because now I can say like, hey, you know, especially now I can say, hey, I've got the biggest Airbnb Facebook group in the world for hosts. And I'm in there teaching and hundreds of thousands of people are, are learning from me. So you're in good hands. You know, like that's, that's a huge credibility builder. But if you are just getting started and you're like, I don't have that. I don't even have the Airbnb experience. Do like what Margarita is doing here. You know, start a podcast, um, go in and start interviewing the people that you want to be in the same room with. That's why I started my podcast. It did not used to be called the fearless investor. It used to be fearless flipping and <laughs> fearless flipping started when I flipped my first house and I said, great. I've got my first house and I want to go get more. How do I do that? I got in the room with other people and I started interviewing them for my podcast rather than saying, hey, can I pick your brain? Which by the way, no one likes being asked that question who's a high producer, just so you know. Just just ask, hey, can I provide you with some value? Would you like to be on my podcast? Hey, I've got a blog. Can I you know, shout you out on my blog? Just get a couple minutes of your time, interview you for my blog. Um, if, if that's not your thing, Maybe there, maybe you can start a meetup group in your area. Um, my good friend Stratton Brown, um, he had just started wholesaling in real estate, started a, a meetup group. And now today he's making over half a million dollars a year. And he's known as like one of the big guys in our area of real estate investing. But he'll tell you when he first started, he'd only done a few deals and people were coming and learning from him thinking he was a big deal. But also he was bringing in guest speakers and learning from them and developing relationships with those guys. So find that thing that you can provide that you enjoy a value to those people that you want to be in the same room with. And uh, that's the easiest way, the fastest way to meet it to success. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. And that's really great advice because no one's going to turn down um, free assistance or free um, help with a business plan, marketing plan, whatever it is that's your strength, you could probably just message someone and say, um, there's a way you could do that better. If you are, jump on a five minute phone call with me, I'll tell you exactly what to do. And then now all of a sudden you have someone that normally would not have responded to your message on the phone, listening to what you have to say. Yeah. You know, that mindset, I would just, I would switch it just a little bit. And rather than saying like, Hey, Mr. Professional, I want to tell you how you can do something better. It's, hey, you know, I've got this thing 
that, you know, just, just like exactly what happened. Like Margarita, you and I didn't know each other. You reached out to me. You said, I got a podcast. Would you like to be on it? I said, yes, because that's valuable for me. I want to get my word out. I want to get my name out there. Um, you didn't come to me saying like, Hey, you know, you need me. You just said, Hey, would you like to be on my podcast? No, no you don't need me. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, but that's, that's the thing is like, you know, I, I would say if you can have that thing that's valuable, that's going to, you know, be able to bring that person even more credibility in their space or be able to show them this new way of doing something and you're giving them that for free and just your own time for free. Uh, you know, that, that can be that way you can make that relationship for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, this is actually the second time that I've heard that in this season. So we're this is now uh, season two of the Pocket Network. And um, episode one, uh, we had Ed Stulak, who's a realtor from New Jersey, but he also is an amazing um, marketing professional. And he was telling me how in the beginning of his career, he would just reach out to random people and say, um, I, can, I can do marketing. I see that you're not utilizing your social media. What if I just did that for free? You're not doing anything with that right now. I'll do it. If nothing happens, okay, whatever. But then if something of value comes out of that, then great, we work together. And then uh, through that, he was able to work with a celebrity. And then he moved on to uh, real estate. And now, uh, even though he's known for real estate, most of his followers are in the real estate industry. He was telling me how he had people in like the food industry in another state reach out to him and have him come as a speaker at a conference about how they can market themselves. Yeah. Uh, and, and you actually bring up something really good that's applicable in my business. So the, the easiest way to get started in my business is if you have an extra room out of your house, you rent it out. You can get to Superhost. You can get the experience. You can understand the Airbnb algorithm. You learn so much and you can literally just do it for even one or two months and accomplish all of that. Convince your wife, convince your husband, do that. If that's just not possible for your situation, reach out to someone who you can tell needs the help. Maybe they have five listings. They're the only person, they have no co-hosts on their listings. And you just say, hey, listen, I'm willing to learn. I will do this for free. Tell me how you want me to respond to your guests. I will take X amount of hours off your plate every single day. But you got to be clear with them. Like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this for you. But my goal is to eventually you know, have my own Airbnb business. It's not to, you know, just be working for you, but I'm going to be forever grateful. And and I want to help you for a little bit. And I'll even help you find someone to replace me once I'm on my way out. Like, you know, if you can do that, uh, you know, especially that, 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 that really overwhelmed host that has five to 10 properties and doesn't have any help, man, you know, they're going to be like, Yes, please help me and you get all that experience and get to put that as a badge on your your resume to when you do want to go and start doing arbitrage or co-hosting. That is great advice, especially just uh, me as an Airbnb uh, user. I went, I went somewhere with a few friends one time and uh, one of the people that was there kept saying, oh, take a photo of that and send it to... Um, the person hosting and tell them to give us a discount. I'm like, but why? Like, that's not her fault. That's something outside completely out of um, her reach. Like she, she couldn't have even seen that or uh, thought of this happening, whatever it was, it was stupid, small things. And then they were like, oh, okay, uh, let's say the floor has scratches on it. Let her know. I'm like, oh, you think she cares? We're not what's here. The, to what's the person's name? I'm going to report them to Airbnb. <laughs> <They're banned. laughs> 
<laughs> they don't have an Airbnb account. They uh, they were just staying with uh, the person that booked. Um, but whenever I was I was listening to these, then on the Airbnb group, I see a lot of people uh, posting screenshots of how should I respond because there's these types of people just attacking the host and then when they see um they try to be nice at first when they see that the host is like well that's not my problem and uh that's not what you the part of the house that you rented you didn't rent the floors to sleep on you know and uh in the pictures it shows that that's what the house looks like then they start to attack you they want to they want to report you on airbnb so um you i'm sure have experienced a lot of these people how do you deal with them does airbnb have some sort of protection for the host so that they can't um i don't know put your name down and i don't know affect how much money you make i don't know how that works on the back end yeah um i'll tell you this we used to really really um have a tough time with guests um we from a claim standpoint from a star rating standpoint luckily we've never lost our super host status but we've come very very close and um it was right about a year ago that we said okay we need to figure out a better way so that we're not getting all these refund requests we're not getting all these bad ratings and we developed an amazing system that we teach to our students now that has produced for us in the last year. Our average is now a 4.94 star rating over the last year. Over 93% of our ratings are five star reviews. Uh, our refund requests have gone down tremendously. Um, our reviews have gone up. Our bad guests, um, you know, partying or damaging has gone down tremendously it used to be once a once a week we would have almost every single property would have an issue now we might have one or two issues per week in all 55 of our properties and that's that's so much more manageable so Incredible. if you can dial that in right away and figure out how to get those five star reviews how to eliminate the bad guests how to attract your perfect guest um, you're going to have a much more sustainable and scalable business to be able to grow. And so that's something that we're pretty proud of and one of my favorite things to teach. So is that like a course that you offer or is it like some sort of guide? Yeah, that, that all comes in my course. And also, so we have a course and then we have a mastermind. So uh, course is self-study. So if you have any interest in that, either way, we don't advertise it um, on our website. Uh, for public uh, purchase, we want to get you the best help possible. So you would have to actually email us. Um, so info at fearlesskyle.com is my email. All you have to do is type 6FF in the email and we'll get you an application that you can fill out to see if you're a good fit for either our course only or for our mastermind. And in our mastermind, direct access to me, direct access to all of our coaches, um, direct access to all of our updated strategies. I literally just got done recording a 30 minute video on um, all of the differences of price labs, which is one of our tools that we use to price our properties of how to be able to, to stay on top of your, your price labs and make sure that you're getting the best prices. I just, I'm always updating information to make sure that people understand what we're doing in our business so they can start applying that to their business as well. Um, so that all comes within our mastermind and that's a year long uh, mastermind. So um, either way, just got to say, Hey, six FF and mention that you, uh, you heard about us from, uh, from Margarita. Okay, awesome. Um, it sounds like it's all very, very useful information. And you touched on something else I was going to ask about pricing. Um, for someone who just has one listing, they're just starting out. Is it fair to just look at uh, the listings close to you and see how much they're charging and base it on that? 
Yeah, great question. So I actually did just do a free workshop on this. If you go to my YouTube channel, The Fearless Investor, uh, you can look up free market eval workshop. Uh, we released it. I actually want to say it might have been today. Yeah, July 7th. It might have been today that we released it. Um, so go take a look at that. AirDNA is your number one resource. So it's the MLS of Airbnb. If you have a three bedroom, two bath on Main Street, you can look at other three bedroom, two baths on Main Street, First Street, you know, everything within a radius there and see what is their nightly rates? What are they making? How does that compare to your listing? And so that's what I would do. Uh, but we had that free workshop to show you exactly how to systematically go through and evaluate a property um, and a market as well. And so I would just start there. Okay, awesome. And is that a website um, that's just free public access or is that for Airbnb Post exclusive? No, yeah. I, like I said, I just posted it to my YouTube channel, the Fearless Investor YouTube channel. It's it's absolutely free. Okay. You can go watch it right now. It's, I think, 30 minutes long. Okay, got it. And then um, another question. So um, let's say someone reaches out to you and they uh, they're just starting off. So is that, and they don't have the listing yet, they, they're not on Airbnb. Um, is that someone that you have the resources to help or it, uh, do you kind of work with people that already have an established Airbnb unit or home? I don't, I don't care if you have zero real estate knowledge, if you speak another language or if you are uh, you know, already a millionaire in Airbnb, um, we have... And maybe the language thing, we don't exactly have it in Spanish yet. I shouldn't say that, <laughs> but I, I, let's just say if you're in another country, we can, as long as you're speaking English, we can help you out. Um, so uh, I think, I think no matter where you're at in your business, um, you're, you're always going to need continued education. And so that's how we cater uh, our mastermind to either help brand new people or people who are established and just want to take it to the next level. And what's the biggest difference in your strategy to helping someone who already has an established business versus someone just starting out? Biggest strategy in, in terms of like the difference in how we're helping people? Yes. Like your approach. Yeah, that's a tough question because every, I mean, it's just really a case by case scenario. Like if, if you're coming in and you tell me I've already got 10 properties, what's your goal? Like, where do you want to go next? You know, that's, that's going to be my first question. Whereas with zero properties, you just want to get started. Um, so, but we, we do have a, a really great method called the force method uh, that anyone should be able to, to follow. Um, force is spelled F O R S. E, not CE. Um, and this is exactly how I built my business. So F stands for find. Let's go find the right properties. Let's pitch the landlords. Let's learn how to be able to actually get those contracts and find those contracts. O stands for operate. We need to learn the day-to-day -day operational skills of what does it mean to be an Airbnb host? How can we start to maybe even you know automate some of the messaging, automate some of the pricing, and then R is repeat. We just need to do that again and again and again, ideally about four or five times before we get to S, which is systematized. Now I've made enough money. I've got enough properties where I can start to afford some of these people that are going to be able to come in and take those responsibilities off my plate. Now I can fully automate this and systematize this property. Now, just like what we talked about, if I have a team that can take over all that, now I can start to expand. That's what the E stands for. Um, now I can go either and, and take it from five to 50 in the same market. I can go five here, maybe five in another market, another 10 in another market and start to expand that. That is exactly how I built my business. Find, operate, repeat, systematize, expand. And that's what we teach. Yeah. And it sounds simple, but I'm sure, like you said, business to business, it differs. And I'm sure a lot more goes into that depending on 
um, the properties they have, where it is. I didn't realize that you can actually help people in other countries. I assumed Airbnb is very different uh, in different countries. You know, the whole idea is the exact same. I want to go and I want to host guests. I want to do it with either my own properties or someone else's properties. The only difference is what are the county, country, city, state regulations in each of these different locations. So that's what we teach as well. I don't care if you're in California, uh, Alabama, or Argentina, we've got to go through the same process and we have to understand what the regulations are in our backyard. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and then I had another important question for you. So um, with Airbnb, I read, because I, I just did some um, minor searching online um, before, just because I haven't really looked into this myself before. Um, I've heard from uh, a few different sources online that it would help to add your listing to Google Maps. How does that work? Let's say I have like a condo um, that I'm renting out. Do you think that's a good idea? Or is that more of um, those Instagrammable homes that have their own names and no one ever lives in it? Well, it's it's free to add it to Google Maps. Um, so why not do it? You know, it's just it's just more marketing. Anytime I can market my place and get it out, you know, I mean, we're, we're on four different platforms. We're on Airbnb, VRBO, Furnish Finders, and we're on our own direct booking website. Uh, we have relationships with people that will send us guests. Uh, we have uh, our own Google page for our direct booking website. We could absolutely add it on the map as well. It's just, I mean, there's if I find an avenue that I can put my property on, then and it doesn't cost me anything or it costs me a minimal amount, then yeah, like the more eyes that can be on my property, the better. I know a lot of people that will actually use Facebook ads, Instagram ads to promote their properties as well. And again, that's, you know, do yeah. it if, if it makes sense for your money, go for it. Instagram makes sense for those homes. Like I know there are some homes that are themed. I've seen a home where it's, everything is in Marilyn Monroe and uh, the, the, the home itself has a name on Google Maps where it's not Marilyn Monroe, but it's something relatable. Um, so I, I feel like that would be pretty cool. Do you do that with your properties or do you find that just unnecessary? Yeah, great question. Um, so we have a couple properties that we could probably do that with. Um, the the question becomes is the is the juice worth the squeeze and right now you know with those properties they get booked out really well they do really well so it's not something that's been something that we're like yeah we should do that so what we have is just instagram pages for our entire company so that if someone is looking for you know a place to stay in fresno and they look on instagram and they say you know fresno airbnb we're gonna be the first yeah. thing that likely pops up for them um and also you know you got to know your market too like i'm not really in the you could argue that Maybe one of my houses or two of my houses in Scottsdale would kind of be that kind of property. We have a place in um, Bass Lake as well, which is just at the base of Yosemite. Could, could argue that that could have its own Instagram as well. Um, but most of our places are are not going to be like, oh, cool, I'm going to Fresno. Let me look at the best Airbnb in Fresno. No, it's like, all right, well, I'm going to Fresno. I guess I got to book an Airbnb in Fresno. You know, so like knowing your market is really important. If I'm going to Orlando, I'm definitely asking those questions. One of my colleagues, Mike Shogren, just uh, listed a house in Orlando. It's an 11 bedroom home and it wow. is definitely the best place in all of Orlando. You need to go look at it. Um, I don't even know what the link is. I don't even know what the name is, but it's got like Mario and like there's slides and you can literally go into wow. like, you know, the tubes that Mario went in and there's Star Wars room and there's Mickey Mouse. There's all these themed rooms. And it's like, yes, 
like that needs its own Instagram for sure. Um, so just knowing, yeah, knowing your market, knowing your properties, I think definitely uh, will factor into that. And I assume the competition in Orlando is much, much greater just because Disney World is right there. Yeah. So that that's one thing that we can definitely leave people with is that um, this idea of saturation, right? Like everyone thinks, oh my gosh, you know, like Airbnb is becoming saturated. So Orlando is quote unquote, kiss me, the, the most saturated Airbnb market in the world, over 50,000 Airbnb listings in that area. And for that reason, someone would look at that and they would say, well, I'm not going to go get a short-term rental in that area because it doesn't make sense for a return. Mike went over here and said, screw that. I'm going to go buy a million dollar home. I'm going to make sure it is the only one of its kind in the area. I'm going to pimp this thing out big time. I'm going to make it as good as possible. And I know that all these other ones that are performing well are making about 150 to 200,000 a year. I'm going to make this thing make 250 to 300,000 a year. And literally, I think he's had it live for maybe three months and he's already booked over $200,000 for the, wow. the next calendar year. So yeah, that is incredible. Yeah. So you can take this idea of saturation and say, yes, if I'm just like my competition, competition in, in quotes, because we said there's no such thing as competition, right? Uh, but if I'm just like everyone else, then yeah, this is probably too saturated of a place. But if I'm different, if I'm unique, if I'm doing things that are really special, the top five, 10% of my area, then I can really thrive. And so that's, that's where I would recommend um, looking at is what, what, how, how good does your place need to be in a given area? And I saw that you had posted about how um, Airbnb is changing the way you post, the way people shop, and how the first photo is very, very important. If I saw, uh, I don't know, Mickey Mouse slide and I had kids, then I would immediately open that and check it out. What else is there there? How, how cool is this? And then compare it to everything else on the market. And if it's not comparable, then I'm booking that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you just nailed it, especially with kids. Um, I mean... I think more so than ever today, parents are booking vacations based on how it makes their kids feel, not how does it make them feel. Yeah, for sure. And and you also want the kids to be able to be keep themselves busy so you can actually relax for at least five minutes. So if they have these Mickey Mouse slides, then uh, I'm not a kid and I would probably keep busy with that for at least 30 minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> go, go play. Have a good time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, we touched on this, but we didn't really discuss it. Um, you, you had a video about how else you can make money um, other than the nightly booking fees on Airbnb. Yeah. Let's talk more about that. Sure. I, I mean, that's the great thing about a short-term rental. As soon as someone comes in your house, you own that person's attention. Right. So um, I'll give you a good example. I've got one of my students uh, sells his own artwork in his place okay. an artist puts his art up you know put just just like a, a you know a cafe right you know has the artist yeah. team the the amount that it costs his cleaning team takes inventory of it before the the, the guests show up and then they take inventory after to make sure that nothing was taken I um, love that. yeah oh it's awesome um there's people that will do private chef uh, opportunities, you know, um, one time I, you know, for when I got married, um, we, we went over to, uh, I think it was, uh, Monterey or Tascadero, one, one of those small beach towns, uh, in California. And, and I said, Hey, I want, I want to have a, a thing of wine and I, here's the note that I want. Can you do me a favor? Can you write it out for me and put it right there? And I asked that of the, the host, they said, yes. And I paid him a little bit extra. So I can do all these things, extra guests, early check-ins, 
um, things that you can sell in the in the property, snacks, things like that. There's a lot of different ways that we can create income um, within these properties. And especially if you're in a really high touristy vacation area, what about just going and saying, hey, you know, like one time I went to a place in Hawaii and they had a whole list of tourism places. And they said, hey, mention my name and you get 10% off. Oh, wow. you, that person, as soon as I mentioned their name, not only am I getting 10% off, but they're probably getting a little bit of a kickback as well by referring out to the best scuba diver instructor in the area, you know, stuff like that. So it's literally anything that you can think of, you could probably do. And it makes sense if hotels are doing it, then you yeah. should take uh, uh, some hints off their pages. So with hotels, they charge you like, what is it, $8 for a bottle of water? If you have bottled water refrigerated in there, it'll make the guest life easy. You don't have to charge $8 a bottle, but then you can let them know you don't have to bring your own water. I have it here. And um, it's $8 a case. You, you might be paying $2 for that case. But if it was me, I'd rather pay $8 than carry it with me in the car. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I would say for us, the the biggest thing is if, if you're getting started, it's really easy to, to manage that kind of stuff. If you're wanting to grow to 20, 30, 40 properties, that becomes a little bit tougher. Um, but you can also take the um, the mindset of my other colleague, Rachel Gainsbrew, and, and that is the most amount of income at the least amount of properties. That's her business model. She just does all luxury properties. And that's a lot easier to manage those kinds of things. So um, yeah, it, I mean, it's just a fun industry, Margarita, to be able to to just have so many opportunities like this. Yeah. But even in the luxury market, sure, you might make the most amount of money with the least amount of houses. But then imagine onboarding two extra people and being able to make double what you're making. And then uh, they're doing all the work for you. You don't even have to do any extra work. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess it just depends on the person and how far they're willing to go. Absolutely. So do you think that it's possible um, to have that luxury Airbnb in a place like Fresno, where um, typically that's not what people are looking for? Yeah. Again, it just goes back to knowing your avatar. Um, so me personally, I know the number one and number two reasons that people are going to travel to Fresno are going to be for family coming back and seeing mom and dad. Now they have two kids and there's not enough room in mom and dad's home to be able to have uh, her, her husband and two kids, right? They got to go get an yeah. Airbnb. Um, the other one is going to be travelers, you know, um, or not travelers, sorry, uh, business travelers. So nurses and solar employees and, you know, solo business travelers that are looking to do work here for two weeks, construction workers, things like that. So for me, knowing that that's my avatar, do they want luxury? Not really. Um, what they what they really want is a pool. So I, I really love giving a pool because that's going to get a primo price is having that pool. But um, will that, you know, like that beautiful chandelier and a 20 foot ceiling get that much more than a basic four bedroom, two bath? I, I just haven't seen enough data to really show that. But what might work is throwing a Peloton bike in there. If I got a nurse who doesn't want to go get a gym membership, wants to be able to have that workout equipment. Cool. She's probably going to book my place and for a little bit more compared to someone else. So those are the things that you want to start looking at. Who is your avatar? And really, you can go and you can try to figure that out before, but you're going to learn the most just by hosting people. Yeah. And the, does subleasing work on luxury properties or do you think that the landlords of the luxury homes are a little bit different? Oh, heck yeah. I mean, you can sublease a, 
a luxury home, you can sublease a trailer. <laughs> you can you can sublease anything. Uh, you just come people doing it with tents out like in the middle of nowhere, which yeah. blows my mind because I could yeah. probably buy a really good quality tent for much cheaper. But um, I don't know. I guess they have some other things. I haven't clicked on the links. Yeah, go go try it. See what happens. Yeah, that is incredible. So basically, you really don't have to have much to be able to start an Airbnb business. Um, with the way I was thinking, I was thinking you have to have enough money to buy a home and be able to sustain that that mortgage by yourself just in case you don't have the business to be able to cover the mortgage every single month. But it seems like you could rent, you can lease, you can probably just work with someone who has the home and split the income. So there's so many different ways that I had never thought of. Yeah. And that's, I mean, what we don't know can't hurt us. And, and so I can tell you for the first three years of my business, not knowing about making money in an entire house, you know, I was just doing it as a room out of my house. I lost tens of thousands of dollars on top of that, not knowing that I could do it without owning the home. Now we're talking about millions of dollars. Three wow. years, we're talking about millions of dollars that I missed out on. Now, luckily I found out in 2019, but had I found out in 2016, you know, what? Yeah, what so now you're teaching other people so they don't make the same mistake. Yeah, now, we could we could have an eight-figure business. We can have a lot more people with seven-figure businesses, uh, but, you know, that's, that's where we're headed now. Incredible. And this also just, um, you know, with the American dream, it's to have all these nice things and... In the past, we've been told you have to go to school, you have to have like this corporate job in order to be able to afford this American dream. But now all of these people, we call them the starving artists. They could probably just sublease a home and sell their art on the side as well and make a ton of money out of it. So now it doesn't matter what you want to do with your future. As long as you're smart about it, you can make a ton of money doing it. Yeah. I mean, you know, my, my wife and I talk about it. Our, our son or daughter, when we do have a son or daughter is going to go to college, they better either want to be a, a lawyer, a nurse, a doctor, or something specialized that you have to go to school for. Because I mean, we're just, we're in a, an, a year where, where college, I think more people are starting to see that the average person does not, should not go to college because they're going to be in years and years and years of debt for something that they likely don't even use in the real world. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for my time in college. It led me to down this path of where I am now, but I was a sports broadcast major, you know, what I'm not even, not even in sports, not yeah. on TV. You could argue YouTube is kind of the new TV, but well, but always, also at the time you, you would have never known that this would be your future. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I also didn't have people telling me, I didn't have people feeding my mind with, you know, Hey, there's this thing called passive income and you don't have to work till the day that you die. I didn't yeah. hear the word passive income or a passive, uh, passive cash flow until I was 26 years old. And I just think that, you know, that's, that's just a product of, um, of the fact that it's not going to be taught in schools. We're not going to learn that from teachers who have shown up and have to work every single day. And we need teachers. We have, we need all those people. But at the same time, uh, man, people like me that I wish I would have known about stuff like this and I would have had a much different path. And now I'm, I get envious because I'm like, I meet this 19 year old who's hungry and has heard about real estate investing. He's heard about Airbnb. I'm like, ah, oh, I wish I could go back to when I was 19 and have that same information. So take advantage of it. Like if you, and on the flip side, if you're 70 and listening to this or 80 or, you know, you're, you know, there's no time that's not the right time to get started. Yeah, for sure. I completely agree with that. 
And um, I, I know it's a very unpopular opinion to, to agree with saying you don't really need to go, go to college. But of course, like you said, it depends on the industry. Um, I went to college as well. So I know that's not something that anyone would expect me to say. But if you're wanting to be a real estate agent, depending on what skills you're able to learn from your network, it might still be smart to go get that business degree, depending on the school you choose. Because um, I know for, for my business degree, I chose going to Pepperdine. And it's because I did some research on um, all the professors that teach there. So the school was much, much more expensive, but I was able to sit in a room with professors who um, have either worked for or own companies literally making billions of dollars every single year. So I was able to get their personal email, get their personal number. And then when I was starting off with this business, I was able to send them my business plan to send them some podcasts for them to give me some feedback. And I would have never had that if I chose not to go to school and say, you know what, uh, podcasts and anything real estate, you technically don't need a degree for any of it. So um, there's also that side depends on the network that you have, the people you have access to. Uh, just be smart about about whatever decision you make. Yeah, you just it goes back to the idea of you just got to get in the same room as the people that you want to be around. And if yeah. you decide that paying $50,000 a year for college and being in student debt is the only way to get you there, then that's your decision. If you yeah. say, hey, I, I trust myself to go out and make those relationships and to network my butt off and just to pound the pavement, maybe that's your strength. So just got to make that decision on, on uh, where you stand and knowing yourself. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so much good advice. I hope um, I'm going to definitely check out your, your YouTube channel more in depth. I know I, I just skimmed through stuff because I didn't have enough time. Um, but um, I personally have learned so much. I, I like I find myself thinking, what can I do? Do I have the time to start some sort of Airbnb thing on the side? For, so for all our viewers, I'm sure you're thinking the same thing. Kyle is on social media and we will make sure to link all of his information below. You can reach out to him directly. You can send him the email um, and just reach out, see if this is even right for you, see what he can do to help you with your business. And then let us know what worked and let us know how quickly you were able to become successful. And maybe we'll have you back on uh, a podcast with Kyle. So you guys could tell us exactly what that communication looked like. We would love, love, love to see that. Um, so thank you so much, Kyle for giving us a, a big chunk of your time today. I know you're so busy with the amount of listings that you have. And um, hopefully we can learn more from you. Hopefully we can have you back on a podcast very soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, Margarita. It was fun. Perfect. Thank you. And everyone at home, like we always say, change begins at home. So make the change today.